Hey everyone, welcome to episode 100 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast to broadcast live from CCR's bedroom <laughs> uh, with a special focus on the SCG tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me as always, Collins Mullen. What's up, Chris? It's, you know, everything's going good. Well, this is, is it? Mostly good. <laughs> okay. This is fine. Yeah. We're trying out broadcasting live on Twitch. Yep. Probably have some kinks to work out, but you know. Yeah. It looks goes. like opening up these notes may have slowed down our video a little bit. All of our listeners are going to be so confused because they're like, yeah, Where, like, where's all this dead air coming from? <laughs> well, <laughs> that never exists on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if any, for anybody who is listening live that doesn't know, I do edit our podcasts pretty thoroughly. So yeah. you're going to get a little bit extra ums and uhs and fine. us just sounding kind of dumb. We sound so much smarter after I, I cut all the <laughs> stupid yeah. things out. It's all a facade and it's going to be unveiled here. I, uh, every time like I make a mistake in like, the Twitch. text of a card, I just like, cut that right out of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we're flawless, we promise. <laughs> we're so good at this. Yeah, Yeah. so episode 100, yep. doing this live. Yep. Uh, apparently opening up Google Drive is enough to slow down my video, so I will not right. have notes up on the computer. It's fine. We want to thank our patrons, um, new patrons this past week. Really want to thank Elliot, Elliot Darrow. I see you. I know you're downstairs. Uh, thank you very much, Josh, Connor, and David. Um, really, really appreciate the support. One of the things that we're doing this episode live, we're going to talk about our new sort of rewards for the Patreon tiers. Every tier is going to come with a physical piece of you know merch or whatever as a reward uh we really just want to make sure that you get something tangible to hold on to yeah. for pledge and support to us because we do really really appreciate it mm-hmm. yeah um, and do we want to pull that up and go over each of the tiers yeah we can start with that okay that's, that's totally yeah. fine um yeah i mean that's kind of our, our new big unveiling for you know our live listeners is that we are updating the tiered rewards for the patreon yeah and yeah, I mean, let's go over some of those. Yeah. So every tier is going to include everything from each tier below. So if you're at the highest tier, then you're going to pick up everything that we've got. Yeah. So first tier, it's the same dollar amounts as before. So the first tier is the $1 tier. I have been putting feelers out and I have found a couple of companies that do a really good job with, you know, bulk orders of custom enamel pins. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know if people still like put pins on their playmats and stuff. I promise that putting this on your playmat is way cooler than putting a bunch of top eight pins on your playmat. Yes. So we will have some <laughs> some uh, enamel pins with the MTG Grandcast logo on them. Those will be a sort of one time thing. Whenever anybody signs up for any Patreon tier, you're going to get this the enamel pin. And every for now, we're going to say six months. And then hopefully we close that gap a little bit and make it a little more common like every four months or something like that um but we're going to be sending out stickers or tokens something small to everybody every six months or so we're going to try to get a new cool batch of that sort of stuff yeah and also of course anybody at any tier of uh being a patron gets access to our discord so you can come hang out with us that's what it's all about it is and uh we're going to try to make a pretty concerted effort to be posting more in there uh including some uh pretty specific content so for one thing, we're going to make sure that we post our deck lists for every tournament that we play in, in the open discord. So anybody who's a patron can see our deck lists yeah. um, and whatever sideboarding guides and stuff we have prepared for that tournament. And then next tier is $3 tier, $3 an episode. We're going to have t-shirts. Those designs aren't finalized yet, so it's going to take maybe a little bit because 
I, I don't want to make lazy t-shirts that just like say it and say the name and have the... yeah the goal is to wear have t-shirts that people want to wear yeah, yeah yeah we want them to be wearable yeah and so t-shirts and then you also get the show notes that we're going to post uh as we go live or right after the live episode uh ideally i'll have them up like right before we go live and so people can make suggestions and comments and that sort of thing yeah and five dollar tier um we're gonna have playmats um i'm reaching out to a couple different artists about commissions for that we have some pretty cool ideas in mind these playmats are certainly not finalized yet but if you sign up for the five dollar tier i promise you will get a playmat sooner rather than later because i really want to have a playmat of us to play with so that's that's one thing i'm we're working on pretty hard yeah and you're yeah. going to post some content right. for that tier. So I'm going to be doing kind of weekly write-ups, I guess, of uh, what we've been working on for testing for the tournaments. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be kind of an article form, but I don't think it's going to be too like structured or anything. But it's just going to be like a write-up of the process that we went through to kind of end up where we are at at the end of each week. Uh, yeah, for what's, tournaments. what's working, what yeah. isn't working. What... And that should include... Uh, deck lists, sideboard guides, um, you know, and just kind of like general thoughts about just yeah. everything that we went over during the week uh, in our testing process. And that will, uh, that weekly write up will be available t- for $5 tier um, patrons. Yeah. And, and you don't, you know, I, I think it'll be cool for it not to have to fall into those like Star City article strictures of like, yeah, yeah. You need a sideboard guide for every deck list <laughs> you post and right. et cetera. So, yeah. Uh, and then the $10 tier for people who just really can't get enough of the MTG Grindcast. Can't get enough. Um, so you'll get hats like we have. Yep. And the logo on the front. I'm working. I'm going to, I'm trying to figure out because I wear my hat backwards and there's nothing on the back of the hat. That so needs to change. Yeah. I'm going to try to get the next batch of hats to have at least like a little badge on there so that you can like Ash Ketchum it and still <laughs> be repping the MTG yep. Grindcast. Yeah. And also with the $10 tier, we want to give you a little bit more access. So we want each of these tiers to kind of give a little bit more content so that you're, you're getting something out of it besides just this physical thing we're handing you. Um, and so I, I stole this idea from the Lords of Limited, Patreon, because I think they do a good job. And if they can pull this off, then hopefully we can also do it. Yeah. Uh, but if you sign up for the $10 tier, then we'll give you uh, the opportunity if you want, I mean, maybe you don't even want this, but if you want to spend an hour with one of us each month for coaching or just chilling and playing a league, stuff like that, yep. maybe both of us will be there depending on our schedules and stuff. But yep. yeah, if you're in that $10 God Pharaoh tier, we definitely want to, you know, Support hang that. out a little bit. Yeah, and, for sure. Because yeah, um, it, it really means a lot if you are willing to spend your hard-earned money right. to support this. Yeah, so we'll figure out how to how to do a, you know, hour-long you know, it could be a coaching session if that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. It can also be, you know, just playing some magic. Let's do it. Yeah. Deck tech kind of, if you have a, a brew and you just like want somebody to bounce ideas off of, like we are happy to be that person then. And yeah. yeah. Um, of course, any of the stuff that you can ask us in the coaching session, if you ask it in the discord, you know, we're going to do everything we can yeah, to answer everybody's questions and stuff. Right. So, And one thing that we really want to work on getting out, and I think... What we really want to try to start doing as soon as we can is we'd like to start making patron-exclusive episodes. And what we're kind of visualizing for this right now is like once a month or so, a Patreon-exclusive 
uh, episode talking about a specific deck that we've been, whatever we've been working on really hard lately. Yeah. Um, and just what the, go through all of the basics, uh, like why the build is the way it mm-hmm. is, what it's adapting to, what metas it's good and what it's bad and how to sideboard yeah. with it. Essentially like a deep dive. Yeah. Like we, you know, uh, it'll be probably just like a really focused time of us you know really digging into all of the nitty-gritty details that we might not have time for on a regular episode yeah sure and rather than setting like a monetary patronage goal for that i want to make sure that this is if we make this bonus episode i would like i, I only really want to make it if enough people are actually going to benefit from it so i think we're going to start doing that if once we hit 200 patrons i think is the sure. number that makes sense to me i get it um maybe we started a little earlier than that but right now on patreon that's going to be the goal is once we hit 200 patrons we're going to start doing these bonus deck breakdown episodes yeah so cool so that's that's the patreon news uh and now if you want to hear about magic stuff Uh, yeah all right well i guess we have to talk about modern we can talk about modern yeah all right chris you and i are going to be teaming together this weekend yes it's gonna be great it is very exciting i i hope it's gonna be great i really hope i don't let you down I have, I'm sure it will be great. Yeah. I have admittedly been in the wilderness for the I know. past like six yeah, And days. I knew this going in, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I did get to play some Magic. Yeah. I pretty much, I played a little bit of Phoenix and then I just tried to play as much Hogak as I could. Great. Yeah. And that's modern right now, man. <laughs> Hogak it. is End the, scene. Yeah. the axis around which modern turns. Yeah, I mean, so we're living in a we're living in a Hogak world right now. Hogak is pretty oppressive for a lot of strategies. So kind of what that looks like right now after we've... The dust has settled a little bit at, at this point. Is that, like, people on Magic Online are, you know, trying to get their feet on the ground in terms of, like, okay, do we have to play Hogak or do we have to, like, try really hard to beat Hogak? Mm-hmm. It looks like right now it's definitely very format warping. There are some archetypes that just don't really exist right now. Like the big mana decks uh, are just all kind of way too slow. Mm-hmm. And the graveyard hate that they have access to. Any of like the one-shot graveyard hate cards, like Relic or Ravenous Trap, they, they don't really cut it against Hogak, especially against Altar of Dementia, mm-hmm. because it's so you, easy can to just, rebuild your graveyard. you can just rebuild really quickly. Yeah, um, They can... You know, like, Rav Trap is an okay card if you're casting Rav Traps so that you can untap and kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't even always work against Alter. Like, they might just rebuild and still Goldfish you that turn. But yeah. the one-shot cards are a lot more effective if you are also doing things that are really affecting, like, threatening to end the game pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, or... In the case of Goblin Engineer, if you just Nile Spellbomb them every single turn, sure. then that can be enough, too. Yeah, definitely. Fair. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, Hogak has definitely made its presence known, and it's warped the, the archetypes that can see play. Mm-hmm. And it feels like people are playing online right now either, you know, Hogak, or decks that are well-positioned against Hogak. Yeah. Which kind of puts Hogak in this weird spot of, if you are the Hogak player, you're kind of leaning on purely the raw power level of your deck, which is very high right now. Um, but people are out for you. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is like every Hogak deck, 58 of the cards in the main deck are the same. Yeah. Like right. pretty much set in stone. Like, you know, the lands might be slightly different if you're splashing white or if you're splashing green, but like that base of Stitcher Supplier, 
uh, carry and feeder, alters of Meshia, Vengevine, Hook. Like, it's the same cards and it's the same spells in every deck, except for two slots that might be Dark Blasts or Crypt Breakers or Lightning Axes or something. Yep. But it's very. If you have figured out a way that you feel comfortable playing against Hogak, you will feel comfortable playing against pretty much any Hogak list because right. they don't change that much. Yeah. Yeah. It, the kind of the only variants are whether or not you're splashing green for Abrupt Decay and Nature's Claim. Or if you're splashing white for Wismare. Yeah. Um, everything else is, you know, it's just so hard to, you know, <laughs> change anything out of that deck. Yeah, but I, it's just a very tight machine that, like, functions incredibly well. Like, yeah. will absolutely win any game one against anybody who's not, like, very prepared mm -hmm. or just playing a super fast goldfish, you know, infect-style deck or something. Right. So, yeah, the deck is legitimately terrifying, and even, you know, I was away. I wasn't able to, like, hang out in the house and get updates on, like, what we're working on and what's working well and what is beating Hogak. So I was just playing Hogak and honestly doing just fine with yeah. it. Everybody's aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how much of this, you know, there's a whole discussion to be had about the merger of friendly and comp modern leagues yeah. into one league. Because yeah. you can go a league and you can play against, like, elves and merfolk and then a, <laughs> like a comes into plate and then like a guild gate or something like that like yeah i mean it hasn't been that extreme for me but i definitely have noticed that our win rates amongst the team are particularly high right now mm -hmm. and i don't know how much of that is due to that kind of change but yeah or if you know we just we're good at modern i don't know <laughs> but yeah i have i have definitely noticed that the the friendly leaks or, or the merger of the new modern leagues have definitely changed something. There's, there's definitely been some yeah. bleed through of, of some sort. Yeah. For sure. Uh, that said, we... Okay, so, you know, Hogak. It's a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's there. Uh, we have been playing some other strategies to try to battle it. The Kind of the first deck that we tried was um, Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, Phoenix, Jerry Thompson wrote an article about it. Mm-hmm. Tarek Patel tweeted about it, saying that he was doing really well with Phoenix, yeah. uh, even in the you know the metagame. So we were like, okay, you know, Phoenix might be good. Mm -hmm. uh, and the big change that Phoenix had was Aria Flame. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier on the podcast, but it it's real. Aria Flame is phenomenal. That card has spiked from a forty cent card on the last podcast yeah. to an eight dollar card now. Oh. And obviously, I just didn't buy them, well, despite. It's fine. Despite it being my number one <laughs> card. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get better on that, Chris. <sighs> I'm um, just, you know, yeah. I tried, I did I did pretty good with War of the Spark because I actually, like, focused on yeah. it. But I just, like, went on vacation for this one and just wasn't able to do it. Look, sometimes you gotta go on vacation. So, I was talking about this with Lee, and he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're just supposed to buy playsets of all the rares in Modern Horizons that are less than a dollar. Like, every bulk rare, like, it's going to be good at some point. Sure. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. Um, but yeah, Aria Flame. I now know, I can see the Matrix. I know all of the numbers that you need to kill them <laughs> yeah. with Aria Flame. Uh, all the way up to, like, 33 damage or whatever. Yeah. Um, it kills them really fast. Wait, what about when yeah. you're taking a detour along the way to kill a Narset before you kill them? Uh, didn't, nope. No. Yep. Difficult. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. Aria Flame does a lot for the deck. Mm -hmm. It uh, It kind of lets the deck fight through... A lot of the graveyard hate that you see now is just kind of, you know, 
before the only thing that had that similar angle of just like an enchantment that killed them mm -hmm. was you know ascension and ascension relied on the graveyard yeah. so ascension was really awkward against all of the graveyard hate that was just kind of incidentally floating around before because dredge was a deck that people respected but now everybody has like five hit graveyard hate pieces in the main and six more in the board or something <laughs> crazy. Uh, like, but you can't play Pyromancer Ascension in your Phoenix deck. Right. Rest in Peace and Leyline are just yeah. too good against you if you have those cards. Yeah, for sure. So that card essentially allows, it, it just gives Phoenix extra cards that can kill them through, you know, like a Leyline if they have one. Yeah. Um, which is really important right now. Now we can have Thing in the Ice and, and that to just do the work for you, which works yeah. pretty well. Well, and one thing that I noticed, I was playing, I, I, I ran Jerry's List through a league. Yeah. One of the big problems I had with it was that against Rest in Peace decks, Blue-White specifically, and against some of the Leyline decks, your board was restrictive enough that you weren't able to take out all of your Magmatic Sinkholes and Finales of Promise. Mm hmm in those matchups because those you know magmatic sinkhole is your removal spell for teferi and celestial colonnade and uh baneslayer angel and uh finale of promise is a powerful card advantage card but they get so shut down by the rest in pieces that your opponents are going to have yeah that i think you have to if you're playing phoenix you have to work really hard to figure out ways to swap those out and still be an effective deck because i think it is fine I think you gain percentage by your opponent bringing in ley lines or rips and your only graveyard cards are phoenixes. Yeah. Once you have even like one or two other cards that reference the graveyard, then their rips become worth the card and yeah. they make the game a lot harder for you. Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely have noticed that with this deck is that another inclusion that people are, uh, are having now for the phoenix deck, which I'm actually just not sold on anymore, is uh, Magmatic Sinkhole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of my top eight cards from the set. I was yep. really excited about it. Uh, in practice, it's not as good as I thought it was. Yeah, like, I've been in a lot of spots where I've been like, geez, this really needed to be a lightning axe. Yeah, yeah. Um, killing things early, you mm -hmm. just can't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, only a late-game removal spell, which can be awkward. Um, and by late-game, we mean, like, turn three or sure so, right but. yeah it, but you, you're just never gonna be able to kill something on turn one with it and sometimes mm -hmm. you just like would really like to kill a noble hierarch or something yep. um and uh you know it, it happens enough even on turn three where like sometimes your draws aren't perfect and you only have like three cards in your graveyard on turn three so if you do want to kill something you have to spend your entire turn on it that's not good yeah um yeah it's just been awkward a lot more and it it's because we're in this graveyard hate centric metagame yeah. that so if you're going to play phoenix i think you need to make sure that you're happy when your opponent brings in rest in peace yeah and the way to right. do that is by only having phoenixes as cards that reference the graveyard and then yeah. you're, you're fine right and you know an aria flame just yeah. enables that so i think that it's in a good spot for it's that. a perfect thing like for our, we we have a keeper mall this week that that we're gonna get to in a second um but lee <laughs> mentioned that he was playing Hogak and he was playing against Pyromancer Ascension Phoenix. And yeah. I kind of like did a double take and I was like, is somebody really playing Pyromancer Ascension Phoenix? He's like, <laughs> yeah, it was Xan. We couldn't find any Arias of Flame. Uh, yeah. So, but that is the level of confidence that I have that like playing Pyromancer Ascension is just not, you yeah. should, you cannot. Yeah. It is yeah. Aria of Flame. Like, right. That's just yep. the way it is. And I just think it's a better card. Uh, it just like actively kills them. Uh, where the mm -hmm. other card just like gives you a lot of advantage, which yeah. is you know fine. I mean, and it's... it does. I will say that it does feel bad when your opponent 
gets rid of your Aria Flame. And that does happen. Uh, I've gotten it Celestial purged. It's, like, really painful when yeah, that happens. Yeah, it, it gets purged. It gets, like, you know, Assassin's Trophy mm-hmm. or whatever. But typically in the decks that are, like, trying to actively remove that card... Those are decks that are, you know, where the games are going to go long. The matchups where the game is going to go yeah. long anyways. So the extra 10 life is, it's like annoying, but it's not something that you can't fight through. Yeah. I've, you know, it, it makes it really difficult to kill them with like a couple of phoenixes or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any harder to kill them once you found the second aria. You know, you, sure, you right. still yeah. get to just do that. Um, yeah, so it's like, like it's like one extra spell that you need to kill yeah, them with exactly. the second aria. It's yeah. It, yeah, it's crazy. It gets out of hand really fast. <laughs> and then that's that's a a check in the column of like if you're running aria flame, like you want access to like a lot of arias of flame in yeah. the matchups where it's good. Yeah. Other decks that we've been testing out. Uh, okay, so one thing that we realized over the course of the week is that, and I kind of saw this happening through the um, the premier Magic Online events that were happening over the weekend where. The decks that were doing well, it was like half Hogak. Mm-hmm. Um, not surprising, really. Yep. But the other decks that were doing well were surprisingly like black mid-range decks, and including Jund won the was it the the modern Jund, challenge or was it? I think Jund won marks? the the MCQ. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but Jund with Ren and Six and Jund stuff in it. Yeah, Jund. I yeah, and I know Jund. I heard that Jund won, and I remember watching. Zakini lose to Jund in the quarterfinal or in the semifinals of that tournament. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think that's that player ended up going on to win it. But yeah, so these black mid range decks, you know, it seemed so counterintuitive to me, where like everybody initially in modern was trying like other hyper proactive things to try to fight mm-hmm. um, Hogak, like the things that, like the decks that people went to immediately were like infect and yep. storm a little bit, storm a little bit, just like other things that were like okay maybe. Because Hogak is only ever fighting on one axis, really, I can, like, race them or do something else that's, mm-hmm. like, proactively turn three powerful. Yeah. But it turns out that uh, the, I think that the, you know, as long as the, these mid-range decks are tuned well enough, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking, like, Nihil Spellbombs right. in the main and by deck. tuning, we mean just cramming them to the gills yeah. with Graveyard. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and that, and that's, that's what it takes is that, you know, uh, I think a lot of standard you know, black mid-range decks right now are, you know, three Nihil spell bombs in the main and two surgical extractions in the main. And, and then, then you go, you know, the and then you go four ley lines in the sideboard as well. This so is, this is not a fun right. world we live yeah. in right now. No, it's, yeah, it's, these are the things that are happening to c- kind of create balance in, in modern right. right now. It's not what you want. And I think that's why we will, will see no. a Hogak ban. So so to like stretch a metaphor to its breaking point. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so Hogak is a disease. It's a pile yeah. of corpses. So of course. Very yeah. diseased. <laughs> okay. And then graveyard hate is the fever. Like oh. the more graveyard hate, yeah. like you start killing the disease. Right. But when your fever gets too high, then your your cells start to shut down. I love it. So once we're running like 10 graveyard hate cards in every deck, like modern just starts dying. Yeah. Like it's not a format. That, it's not magic anymore. Yeah. It just sucks. It's just Hogak versus the world. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the crazy thing is that like, you know, it sounds like an exaggeration, but you need multiple graveyard nukes yeah. in a game to beat Hogak in a game. It's just a necessity. You, like, if you have one spell bomb and then the rest of your cards are, like, Tarmogoyfs and Dark mm-hmm. Confidants and Fatal Pushes, you're you're dead. It's just not going to work. So it really depends a lot on how it's playing out, too. Like, 
I, I've had games with Phoenix where all I needed was the one surgical because I had the thing in the ice on two. Yeah. And so I thing in the ice, I surgical on their turn two or whatever, get right. rid of their bridges. Yeah. That slows them down enough that then I can flip the thing, put a Phoenix into play, kill them in two attacks because right. their creatures can't block. Yeah. But like the one graveyard hate is fine if you're gold fishing them on turn four and also messing up their board. If you're if the game's gonna go any longer than that, then yeah, I agree. You definitely need some you need two pieces of interaction yeah. or to have ley line to them and keep the ley line in play yeah. or, or no, whatever for sure i yeah in focus testing uh i was playing against evan evan was on phoenix i was on hogak evan uh rav trapped me three times and surgicaled me twice and i won that's <laughs> uh... <laughs> <It was> great <laughs> Yay! <laughs> like, you can just lose everything, yeah. and then if the one thing you have left is, like, well, here's I remember, like I, like, I remember the game went long, so I just, like, had four lands, and I think that my win was just, I just, like, top-decked a Vengevine that I could cast and kill him with or something. But, like, still, you know, it's, like, a, a card that's right. reasonable and kills him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of that, what do you prefer between the... So the, the deck's always black-red. Yeah. There's versions that splash white... For like the Wispmare, Ingot Chewer, Flamekin, uh, mm-hmm. Harbinger package. Yep. Um, or you can just go way simpler and play green and play f- like four Nature's Claims and then a couple additional uh, disenchants in your sideboard. Assassin's what? Trophy is yeah. probably the go-to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that I landed on green is yeah. better. There are definitely synergies with Wispmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's good in the deck. But... I, I think it's, like, close, and you don't gain a huge amount of percentage points by having Wismare over Nature's Claim. It's just kind of, like, marginal. Mm-hmm. And being able to hardcast uh, your Vengevines is relevant more often than I think you would think. Yeah. Um, so just, like, having green be your splash, so you just have the two overgrown tombs to find mm-hmm. definitely pushes it over the edge to me and that's specifically in post-board games when that comes up a lot yeah but like yeah. that's really relevant you play a lot of post-board games <laughs> oh yeah you're gonna For be sure. fighting through a lot of graveyard hate with this deck so right. i think that incidental way to fight through graveyard hate just by having green mana i think, yeah. I think other, that's good yeah and the other card that i want to talk about out of hogak is actually in from the sideboard is Cryptbreaker. Cryptbreaker mm-hmm. is kind of a one-man army and can kind of like one shot some of these decks that are like completely overloaded on graveyard hate mm-hmm. where there have been a lot of games where not many games where it just like wins purely on its own but you just like draw crit breaker and a couple other incidental zombies mm-hmm. and you're just able to assemble this kind of like yeah team that kills your opponent that mulliganed to five and found their ley line or whatever so effectively like mulligan to four and you're just right yeah drawing and, cards you and know, making two twos and 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 that dynamic is really interesting because that's like you know from the opponent's perspective you just have to do stuff like that you mm-hmm. just can't keep a hand that doesn't have graveyard hate so yeah. they are going to mulligan a lot more and when you just have this plan of like oh i'll bring in a couple of crit breakers mm-hmm. and if i draw those and i get ley lined then sure you know i'm, I'm on the two one beatdown plan but Cryptbreaker on its own just kind of, you know, you can discard all of your right. bridges and just, like, random stuff that you have in your hand. Yeah. Make two twos. And it just so happens that, like, a bunch of the dudes in the deck are zombies. Right. And yeah. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you're, like, drawing extra cards and, you know, your opponent is, like, drawing out of their mulligan and mm-hmm. then you, like, find a nature's claim and then they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you drew a couple of cards off of Cryptbreaker. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I have seen some really interesting sideboard plans i don't remember if we talked about this on the show last week 
but the plan, like in the mirror, for example, of taking out all of your bridges and all of your altars, and the the logic yeah. there is basically like bridge is very disruptible because they can sacrifice creatures easily. Yep. It's hard to keep going with bridges, and you both have so much graveyard hate after board that bridge is just not the most uh, a particularly powerful card. Once you don't have bridges, altar becomes a significantly less powerful card because you just can't chain the way that you do when you're making creatures every time you sacrifice creatures and then you make yourself less graveyard reliant and you just bring in anti-graveyard hate and graveyard hate yes and then you're you know you're both playing like pretty gimped decks at that point but yeah let me tell you post board in the hogak mirror it's a mess (laughs) you're you're gonna be racing with uh, creatures that can't block that have two power. It's mm-hmm. it's a good time. Whismare yeah. comes down and just Whis- like yeah. runs Whismare, the table. It is yeah. I mean you know <laughs> the Baron of Bacon learned the other day that it has flying. It's true. It's a one three flyer. Yeah, it's you, so you know that blocks really well. Two one zombies. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's the mirror breaker in no, many we, ways. We had one game where Dylan had to use his dark blast as a giant growth to get through the Whismare, but yeah, it was it was good enough. <laughs> so I think Brad asked. If we can, if, if if our listeners can win this to fairy, or if we're just flexing, no, we're just flexing. Yeah, and by we we mean Zan. Yes, this is yeah. Zan's to fairy, but <laughs> yeah. he came up to hang out. But yeah. the checkerboard soundproofing just looked a little bit boring, so we wanted to spruce it up a little bit. At some point, we'll get a banner or something like that. Do we want to talk about our actual giveaway though? Yes. So we have one giveaway going on on Twitter. Uh, yep. I don't have a like set deadline for that tweet, but I've got a tweet up on the my my twitter account uh at ccr underscore grindcast but if you go to collins's twitter you can see it too mm-hmm. uh basically just retweet that tweet and follow the profiles that it lists and you're entered to win a modern horizons box also uh if you are listening to this whether you're listening to it live or you're listening to the recorded podcast go ahead and dm the at mtg underscore grindcast twitter if you just DM us your first competitive deck that you ever played and constructed, um, then that will enter you to win a Modern Horizons box. And we'll, you know... Right now, pretty much. So get on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's at, so the end of our, at the end of our recording, we're going to be giving away... Well, or no, it... I don't think okay. we want to... Because I want to give people who listen to the podcast on pot, the apps and stuff Oh, we do. To, okay. So yeah. it's not happening live? Yeah. Right. I, I'm a little sad. Well, but okay. I guess that would be more exciting, but I... I, I really wanted to give our faithful listeners we'll, okay, we'll give it a, a shot at it, too. Yeah, so sure. Sounds we'll, good. We'll give it... Yeah, what should be the cutoff for that? I guess, yeah, people who are really pumped to listen to the podcast and listen to it in, like, the first day or two. I would like uh, to reward, you know, yeah. the active people. So sure. I will... I'll, I'll post a tweet about it. Say, not with what they're supposed to do, because they got to listen to the podcast. They too. do have to listen to the podcast. Right. Yeah. But I'll, I'll post a tweet saying, like, listen to the podcast within the next 24 hours when okay. I post the podcast, and then entries will close after that. Okay. So that's... Sounds good. So, yeah. Sorry, we'll figure this stuff out in the, you know, <laughs> in the behind We're doing the scenes. Live. <laughs> We're doing this live. We're doing it live. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, so DM uh mtg underscore grindcast on yeah. twitter that that it's is the not account chris to on twitter it's the it's yeah. gonna be our twitter account for for the the podcast yeah so yeah. it'll have the avatar of our logo on it that's the one you want at mtg underscore grindcast yeah do that thought those dms were closed they might be i'll i'll open them up <laughs> sure well cool cool very exciting um, I mean, I, I think we haven't quite hit on everything in modern yet no. because we have not talked about some of the other new decks that have popped up. Yeah, like legitimate new modern decks do exist. 
They are overshadowed by Hogak. Some of them are in response to Hogak. Yeah. Um, the main one I'm thinking of is this Esper Spells deck. Yes. Um, um, so uh, we talked a little bit about Unearth and how we were pretty excited about it. Uh, you know, going just from an efficiency modern. standpoint, yeah, is, it's it's so good. Yeah. You know, it's you can get a three mana creature for one mana pretty early on in modern, and and that you know that does a lot of work. Yeah. So one of the ways that people have been trying to abuse that, um, and I think that this deck made the top four of both of the premier events mm-hmm. so far in modern, where it's essentially an Esper spells deck, where it's got. The creatures are uh, Jace Vryn's Prodigy, yeah. Snapcaster Mage, and Monastery Mentor. Yeah. All great cards to recur with yeah. Um, yeah. with Unearth. This is another one of the black mid-range decks that I was talking about earlier, where it can exist right now in the metagame because mm-hmm. it just has a ton of answers for Hogak. Yeah. Where, you know, th- these are mid-range decks that are just completely overloaded right now with Graveyard Hate. Um, I, I don't know exactly where it placed, but I know that it did really well in both of the premium events, yeah. which was... One of the surprising things. Um, and it's been pretty impressive. I've played against it a couple of times, yep. and it really is a very cohesive, powerful deck. By far the best use of Monastery Mentor I've seen in Modern. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is that I think that that card, maybe alone, but also in combination with some of the other new cards that we'll be talking about, mm-hmm. is kind of like turned these mid-range decks from solely like a just pure good cards to another like synergy-oriented Right strategy where it's not you know it's not just thought season tarmogoyf anymore it's you know now we're talking about i think just like the general power level of these decks is increased because of the synergies that we have access to now yeah yeah i mean the cards just work together very beautifully you keep your curve very low you don't need to run cards like bloodbraid elf to get card advantage because monastery mentor is although monastery mentor is relatively mana intensive because it's hard to get value out of it without casting more spells like the same turn that you cast it but that's where unearth really shines like you cast the mentor they kill it and then you get your turn where you go like unearth thought sees you mishra's bauble or whatever like i I mean you didn't need extra mana to do that but you can cast like an extra spell or two because unearth costs one mana and that's you know you're you're setting yourself up for one very powerful monastery mentor turn yeah. which is enough to turn a lot of games around and if you have an unearth in your hand you can just turn three jam your mentor yeah and you don't really care what happens like unless i path it and that's annoying but um you know you can magma just, spray <laughs> right you can just jam your mentor uh they kill it hopefully and then the next one you're like okay reanimate it spell spell spell, spell. game that, that, honestly <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, each of those is, like, a Monastery Swift Sphere, like... Yeah, no, that's good. It's really good. It's it's good, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and so Baron of Bacon brings up a good point, which we were certainly going to get to. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Which is the interaction between Unearth and Ranger Captain of Eos. Yeah. Which we have talked about, but... But, I mean, we should really go into it. So, the other deck that that we've been working on Mm. has been Mardu Shadow. Um, this is a spicy one. It is a spicy one. So uh, this deck is g- kind of everything that you dream of when you are considering Unearth. <laughs> uh, it has a three mana creature that can sacrifice itself to get unearthed again and get value each time you go through that iteration. Yeah. So right. So Ranger Captain finds your Death Shadows. Yep. We also have a couple of uh, the new mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Giver of Runes. Giver of Runes uh, to find with Ranger VS. But mostly it's just a 
shadow deck that has incorporated unearth and uh ranger captain and it's really leaning on the fact that the black disruption is really really good right now because yep. your graveyard hate is so powerful and hand disruption is also good against even hogak turn one thought sees is good against that deck yeah yeah i mean if you can take their enabler pieces mm-hmm. then their deck can definitely clunk out sometimes yeah and so, then the the technology advance that we have here is that threat base yeah with unearth ranger captain ranger captain and Death Shadow and Dreadhorde Arcanist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like rounds out the threat package. Mm-hmm. Dreadhorde Ar- Arcanist, another card that is phenomenal with Unearth. Because you can unearth it. You can also use it to flashback Unearth on mm-hmm. something else. <laughs> and it just really... If you ever get to untap with that card, you know, yeah. it's it's better than Dark Confidant. Uh, yeah, because you're getting to choose... Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a Snapcaster Mage Dark Confidant instead of like a you know Frexian Arena Dark Confidant. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, Which you can't really run Dark Confidant in Death Shadow decks. No, yeah. it just doesn't. Street Wraith is quite work. Kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah Street Wraith <laughs> is a problem. Also, just like hanging out at Four Life, like where you want want to be. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like yeah. all right now we'll flip them. <laughs> Good luck us. Yeah, yeah. So all of those cards are work really well together yeah um and i think that i think that that threat base of range captain and death shadow is going to be a staple moving forward yeah in modern range captain is just the real deal i mean you know we've tested it and, we've and found out probably specifically ranger captain unearth and death shadow yeah. is going to be like a a pretty tight package that gets slotted into yeah. a lot of different things yeah and unearth is we're playing it in a format that has a ton of graveyard hate mm-hmm. but you can just cycle your unearths yeah you just, you know, your opponent has a ley line or whatever, and like a spell bombs, who cares? You just cycle it. Yeah, honestly, like this deck would be much less attractive to me if Unearth did not have cycling, mm-hmm. but it just insulates you against that graveyard hate. And kind of interesting talking about like the evolution of this, like, like Dylan was kind of going through like how the card choices got made and stuff. And like one of the big things is we don't want to run Gurmag Angler because Delve Threats are not good in a format full of graveyard hate. Um, once you take Gurmag Angler out of the deck, then you can't really cast Stubborn Denial anymore, and that makes blue, like, a pretty medium inclusion as a color, and then since the deck, like, gets a free color, because Death Shadow decks just get to be three colors, they, like, there's no reason not to be, then that allows you to just play red for Dreadhorde Arcanist, and... So kind of just interesting how, like, the pressures on the format have caused the card choices to you know respond in that way yeah yeah for sure yeah and unearth is the claim to fame that we all wanted to claim to right fame to be. right <laughs> yeah. we really wanted to claim to fame our death shadows but like we get to now right. yeah now it's happening now we have the better version of the card for yeah. sure yeah so that deck is definitely another contender right now right now it's you know it's just another mid-range deck that you could just chock full of graveyard hate mm-hmm. um we have like three spell bombs in the main um and two surgical extractions so that's so that's five i hate it five I graveyard hate hates this. in the main deck and we have four more slots on the sideboard right rounding out our total of graveyard hate cards to nine that's so much there's 75 <laughs> cards in a deck yeah. one out of you know one out of eight cards in your deck is a graveyard hate card right yeah and and that makes our matchup pretty good <laughs> against hogak yeah. uh yeah. but that's just you know that's just what you need right now i think in in the format and while I do believe that everybody's adaptations is going to make a pretty interesting and diverse top eight mm-hmm. for Philly or for um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh I, I don't think that that means that Hogak doesn't need to get banned. I think that Hogak definitely will still need 
altered needs to get banned yeah specifically just because without if, if this is modern now and everybody has to devote nine graveyard hate slots it's just it's a mess without alter it's a vengevine deck it's just a and it's good a good vengevine, vengevine deck. deck yeah but that's beatable like a nile spell bomb is great against the vengevine deck yeah it, add add alter to the mix and you just give it this level of resiliency that is disgusting yeah, Mason, nine nine graveyard hate cards seems low. Can we get two more? I mean, honestly, like <laughs> you would need to go up to like twenty percent. We're hate we're a little bit higher than it seems because you can flashback surgical extractions with your Dreadhorde Arcanists. So there you go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, count it. I mean, the main phase surgical is a little less powerful than the <laughs> yeah, sure. get your the bridges in response to the trigger. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. If you can ever surgical a bridge. It- it's nice. That's the main. I, I so just as like a little bit of strategy for sure. Actually playing your magic cards against the Hogak. Let's deck. go into it. Okay, so I mean, if you've got surgicals in your deck, yeah, like your number one target is Bridge from Below, right? Like that's just yeah. what you are seeking to surgical from the deck. Pretty much, it's it's like the best hit. It is a little dangerous, kind of only categorizing it like that sure you still have to play the game out, and if you're about to get Vengevined. You probably need to take out the Vengevines. But if your opponent has bridges, you know, it, it, it's all pretty contextualized based on what is threatening right now. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Surgical is you can just, it's free and you can just hit whatever is threatening right now, which is really nice. Right. But in terms of like what cards I'm most excited to be able to hit with a Surgical, definitely Bridge. Mm-hmm. Bridge is the single card that allows the, uh, like the one shot kills from altar oh Um, yeah i have untapped mm -hmm. drawn a card it's bridge and i thought i think i just kill you this turn right (laughs) like i wasn't like particularly setting it up i was trying to optimize my plays and stuff but i wasn't playing towards drawing altar because i could win the game with creatures yeah and then i draw the altar and then it's just like oh okay well yeah i guess we're done playing magic now yeah no altar altar is definitely crazy altar is the reason i think just the sole reason that this deck is like just like the one shots that you can enable and like everybody's trying really hard and like sometimes i play against somebody who has like an ensnaring bridge out and they're like yeah i got you ensnaring bridge and then i deck them (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) yeah bridges definitely a good target uh because without your bridges you just like can't like go it it just reduces so much of the degeneracy of the deck you can't mill them out if you don't have bridges right it's yeah Hogak, I mean, of course, is a really good target, but uh, sometimes it's kind of it's kind of hard to search for Hogak a lot of the time because sometimes the things you don't get put it in the graveyard, right. they just like get priority immediately and they can cast it, which is kind of annoying. Um, That's or- the beauty of Bridge is it's a trigger before it does anything, so right. you always get a chance to surgical it before it like has an effect on the game. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. That's that is also a thing is like you're taxed like they're about to get back two venge vines. I got to get rid of their graveyard now. Yeah. Uh, oh, they put bridge in. I'll use the surgical on it. And yep. then they just like Cast play an eight eight. <laughs> right. And you're like, I didn't like yep. it was not right. There was no time for me to like surgical those. I didn't. There was no way for me to set that up. And even if there was like I had to prioritize these other things. But the backup plan is just eight eight trample. And in modern, that's the hugest. That's the biggest creature around. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so uh, in terms of what we're considering playing for this weekend, are you pretty locked on Hogak at this point? Or I, you're considering Hogak or Phoenix? So I don't think 
I'm going to play Phoenix. Okay. I think, you know, the thing I was saying about having, so like being able to cut all the graveyard active cards out of your deck, I'm not sure that I'm able to construct a Phoenix deck that I think has a high enough power level if I'm also like cutting my finales of promise against blue white and stuff. Sure. I'm sure there is a way to do it, but I'm not like pumped about it. Like Finale of Promise is great with Aria. Like you want it in your deck because that's three Aria triggers and that's really good. But, and and I think we may, in, in order to adapt to this graveyard hate heavy metagame, you kind of have to revert the deck back to like, yes, you have Aria. That is a new and super powerful addition. The rest of the cards in the deck, though, you're kind of going back to this kind of older, weaker form of, like, all one-mana cards, basically. Yeah. And, you know, probably have to go back to Lightning Axes over Magmatic Sinkholes. And I-, I bet there's a way to work on it and get it right. It's not a deck that I'm, like, actually super excited to play. Okay. And I don't have the time in to, like, make it so that I'm like, yeah, this is this is going to work in this graveyard heavy graveyard hate heavy metagame yeah um so i'm probably going to not play phoenix unless xan or dylan comes up to me and is like here's the 75 like this works sure and i'm like okay i'll run it in a league <laughs> and, and make sure and then yeah 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 um that makes sense so probably very likely going to play hogak mm-hmm. if xan can convince me that this mardu death shadow deck is what we should be doing then i could be convinced yeah i Overall, I think it is silly to miss out on playing the deck that's going to get banned. We're going to call this, like, Hogak Summer. So, (laughs) like, you didn't not play Eldrazi during Eldrazi Winter. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to battling through Leyline every single match of the day. But But the deck is busted and you can do it. The deck is capable of fighting through tons of Graveyard hate. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that my front runners are definitely Hogak and probably the Smartu deck. I'm pretty happy with it right now. As much as I'm sure I would regret not playing Hogak during this time period. I mean, that's I the do... alternative is play a deck that you know yeah. beats it. Right. And also people aren't prepared to battle against. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I, I want to be confident that i'm going into the tournament playing the deck that i know has the highest win rate Mm -hmm. for me you know i think that hogak is going to be very very strong of course Mm -hmm. but i do think there's going to be a lot of hate for it so that makes me a little nervous and then at the same time i think that i think that this martyr deck has legs and it is pretty just fundamentally powerful like ranger captain just these ranger chains are just absurd they're crazy and you know being able to sacrifice your ranger to turn off your opponent's spells is relevant every single game, mm-hmm. every matchup. I played against Burn, and I had I was at uh, I was at six, and they had a card in their hand, and I needed to put myself to three in order for my shadow to be big enough to kill him alone. Mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, sack ranger, go to three, and then they kind of like stared at it, and I was like, and they were like, yeah, that resolves, and I was like, all right, fetch shock, I'm at three, kill you, <laughs> you know, and they so clearly good. had like a bolt in their hand or whatever, but. Right, and this um, isn't even mentioning if they go like yeah. suspend rift bolt, suspend rift bolt. Oh, yeah, and then, and then you, you can really, cast, you yeah. can really get them for sure. Yeah, you know, against, uh, against blue-white, it's just really phenomenal because you can, uh, Ranger finds you just a bunch of shadows. Right, and well, then... and let's not forget, like, the way that Death Shadow loses 
a lot of the time is by just not ha- drawing enough death shadows mm-hmm. and you're just running way more death shadows in your deck now than you ever could before right and that is a it might not be subtle because you keep seeing all these boards with three death shadows in play but it's a strength that you might not really think of just your deck is way denser on the card that it's named after now yeah. and that it can only be a good thing yeah no for sure you, it does it feels to me like i have eight shadows in my deck mm. and that you know before they you had to run like blue spells and you know mistress bobble so that you can find your shadows right. now we just get to run more yeah now you just run just a bunch of shadows yeah. um between unearth and ranger captain like yeah like, you yeah. get all the shadows out of your deck, you know, every couple of games. You're just like, I have four shadows between my board and my graveyard. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. It, it, honestly, it does feel that way. And some games, I felt like I've cast, like, six death shadows. It's like, like <laughs> I'm playing against, like, some mid-range deck, and I, like, cast a shadow, they kill it. And, you know, I, like, ranger, another shadow, and then they wrath, and then, you know, like, uh, unearth my ranger, play another shadow. It just, like, never stops. So... The Worst Noob Ever asks, where can I find this Mardu Shadow list? I think Abe Corrigan is streaming it right now. I'm not sure what his Twitch handle is. But if you look up Abe on Twitter, uh, I'm sure that he has a link up to his Twitch. And I think he's streaming the deck right now. So you can you can take a peek at it in yeah. action. You can also find the list in our Patreon. You can also find it in uh, Team Lotus Box's Patreon. Yeah. It'll be up by... I don't know if it's up right now, but it'll be up by the end of the week. Yeah, and honestly, it's not that hard to work out on your own. It's yeah, we've been talking da- about Death it. Shadows, Rangers, Unearths, Arcanists, Hand Disruption Spells, Misha's Bobbles. Right. Yeah, you're, you're mostly there. Fatal Pushes. But no Misha's Bobbles. Oh, no Misha's Bobbles. Now that's yeah. right. Um, we did have Misha's Bobbles in one of the earlier versions <laughs> when we were trying out Mentor Monastery Mentor in the deck. But Mentor, you really have to, like, have the game go really long, and then it's, like, fine. And you already have four three drops with your Ranger yeah. Captains. Mentor in this Shadow deck, it just didn't cut it. It yeah. just wasn't it wasn't quite what we were working with. Right. Just because, you know, Ranger is all you need. Yeah. It's, that's the only three drop you ever need. Yeah, and I really love the concept of, I don't need to run Team or Battle Rage in my Death Shadow deck, because that was always a way to cut a turn off of the clock. Mm-hmm. But you cut a turn off of the clock by turning off their ability to cast spells for a turn with your card advantage engine it's great and so like i don't need to kill tron a turn earlier because i can just say you can't cast ugin this turn right Uh, tron is still a really bad matchup for the deck but (laughs) yeah because it so so like as far as matchups go this deck feels good against the graveyard decks it feels good against because you're just running infinite graveyard cards yeah. uh, it feels good against uh, zam was saying it's good against humans right because your board is very good against humans well there's one card that we haven't <laughs> talked about yet that we probably need to we do need to yeah uh plague engineer is the real deal it's good yeah plague engineer is phenomenal it's good against humans it's good against hogak it's good against a lot of other random decks mm-hmm. and by good i mean like humans often just concedes to it and, you know, if you have two uh, out against Hogak naming zombie, their deck is no longer functional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes even just naming vampire against Hogak. Yeah, vampire hits bloodgast and insolent neonate. Yep. So that's usually a name that you do after you've thought seized them and realize that, like, this is going to shut them down. Well, one thing that I have seen come up is that, uh, and this is probably, like, super corner case, but <laughs> I watched San put a... Plague Engineer on the stack against his opponent that had three insolent neonates out. Oh, playing chicken. With, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they were like, and so so he cast it, and there were three insolent neonates out. So the opponent sacked them all one at a time, and then it resolved, and Zam named the zombie. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
so that was fun. But, but yeah, no. So I think that if you're playing black this weekend, you should definitely look into Plague Engineer. Card is very very good. Yeah, it also has Death Touch. Yeah, it just has death. You can just trade it off for a thing once its its ability isn't relevant anymore. Yeah, yep. it uh, trades for Hogak. Yep, and it definitely stops Thopters, and it just yep. yeah, uh, good against the word decks that are all running um, combo right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just name Thopter, and they can't combo anymore. Right, it's crazy. Yep, and it's particularly good after the merger of competitive and friendly leagues, because you're significantly more likely to play against elves now than you were before. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Hey, now, I, I ran a league with elves earlier last week. <laughs> yeah, how did it feel? Oof. Not great. Mm. <laughs> you gotta remind yourself every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, we can run all these recipes, and it'll be great. Nope. <laughs> Ooh, like really fast proactive deck that can maybe rate. Nope. Nope. We're dead. Nope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. So modern sucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Modern's in a weird spot right now. Uh, I don't know if I would say that it sucks. Okay. I've actually, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been having a lot of fun playing modern and you know, we're in this like crazy tumultuous time right now, mm-hmm. of course. And hopefully that calms down a little bit, but in terms of like every deck right now has a lot of play to it. Yeah. And the games are really intricate and interesting. Like, even the Hogak games. Like, if, when you're playing Hogak, you post-board have to fight tooth and nail to mm-hmm. win through all of this graveyard hate. But yeah. you can do it. Yeah. and But it's not easy. And not everybody's going to be able to do it. Um, so I think that that does create interesting games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it'll be even better. Live, I'm going to go and pick up my thing that I'm fiddling with. Right. <laughs> um, I think that it'll be even better... Uh, when Alter does get banned, uh, just because I think that that intricacy of all of the new decks will remain, um, but we won't all have 10 Graveyard Hate cards in our 75. Right. Yeah, I mean, these Modern Horizons cards, for the most part, are kind of brilliant additions to the format, yeah, it seems like. like a lot of them are, yeah, really, really awesome additions, and uh, the play to them is, like, really unintuitive, mm-hmm. and everybody's still trying to learn all the lines. Yeah. Like, you know, Modern has been around forever, right? So, like, all of these, like, cool, intricate lines that everybody knows now with their, you know, Modern deck that they play a lot with. Uh, kind of out the window. I mean, yeah, kind of out the window, A, but also, you know, like, now we just, like, have to develop all of those, mm-hmm. that knowledge from scratch, yeah, 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 which is awesome. I That's the part of magic I love the most. Right. Now, now we have to learn how to play around Plague Engineer, and, right. like, these are... Yeah, like, and, you know, learning when to sacrifice your ranger captains. Yeah, it's, that's it's hard. not easy. Yeah. It's not easy, yeah. That's, um, that's the main thing that is kind of scaring me off of the deck, because I don't have reps with it, and I don't really want to sacrifice my ranger on the wrong turn or miss the turn where i was supposed to sacrifice it yeah um and it feels really bad when you against blue white control sack it on their upkeep and they pass and then cryptic tap your team <laughs> it's like oh no <laughs> incoming terminus or incoming supreme verdict or whatever right, they're yeah, doing right of yeah. course so yeah no it's, it's definitely interesting but i mean you know modern it it definitely is still an interesting format the games are intricate and interesting um, do we think it's probably Alter that gets the ban? I hope so. Yeah. I mean... It, Whether or not that's what will happen is its own question. The two cards... But it's. I think it's pretty clear to me that that is what should happen. Right. So the, the two cards that make sense to me as a ban target would be... I think Alter is like easily my number one pick. Because it's just never going to do anything reasonable in the format. And it's 
there's no mana cost attached to it and just like being a win condition and an enabler and a way to fight against most pieces of hate all in one card that costs two mana is completely absurd yeah um the other card that i could see is bridge from below itself because that's another card that's just never been used fairly in mm-hmm. modern except i mean i guess the like year ago bridge vine decks kind of you know you get a, a zombie or two here or there right but good decks with that card in it do gross things with this yes they do and it doesn't cost mana and it only operates from the graveyard and it the the text on it is super weird because it only like you know it your non-token creatures trigger it their token creatures trigger the sac- the exile clause it does weird things with like leyline versus rest in peace in play and it's just like a super weird card too that that's all ancillary to the fact that it's just doing gross stuff for no mana yeah and another argument that i heard as to why they might ban bridge over anything else is that they typically don't like banning new cards mm-hmm. they want the new cards to have a little bit of time in the sun and then they want the format to have time to breathe and like figure it out if if that is a thing that can happen yeah it could be true that they are like okay we'll just ban bridge and then you know the that does neuter a lot of what elter does Mm -hmm. so that card's probably fine at that point yeah until the next broken card with alter comes along uh yeah like no for sure oh yeah and that that was the other thing but alter and bridge share this trait of they're only ever going to be played when Mm -hmm. what they're doing is completely busted yeah and they're each like going to even if the the deck gets brought back to a reasonable place by banning one card whichever one of those two is left is like one inter one crazy interaction away from busting <laughs> the format open again yeah yeah and then you know and then hopefully they have to or you know i don't know if they have to or if i'm just hoping that they do but like when they're printing cards and and like running through the tests they have to like be considerate of all of these cards that new cards could accidentally break mm-hmm. yeah so you know, I just don't know if that's a restriction that they want to put on themselves as designers. One thing that I cannot countenance is the idea that Faithless Looting should get banned because of this. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Faithless Looting is very powerful. Yeah. It's been a pillar of modern and perhaps the most powerful card in modern mm-hmm. for a while. Right. But I don't think that... It's really hard to find additional ways to discard cards. Mm-hmm. Every time you build a Faithless Looting deck... You look at your list and you're like, geez, like, whenever I don't draw Faithless Looting, like, this stuff doesn't work very well. Yeah. Uh, You take Faithless Looting out of the format and all of a sudden, like, basically every cool card that does stuff with the graveyard becomes Mm -hmm. not part of the format anymore. And maybe you hate playing against those cards, but in general, Creeping Chill aside, like, graveyard decks are an important part of the format. They're a way of, like you know keeping some things honest and it's just a cool way to play magic is by using your graveyard as a resource yeah taking faithless looting out of the format takes our ability to use the graveyard as a resource almost entirely out of modern and i think that would be a big loss if they're going to ban faithless looting then maybe I i think the flashback on faithless looting is the most egregious part if we could get like careful study into the format or something at the same time as they ban it, then okay, like I could accept that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Um, for sure. Or you know, red careful study or something like that because yeah. it, it doesn't. 
it, it being graveyard active in addition to being a graveyard enabler is, is probably a little bit too far. Yeah. But I, I think shutting down the ability of the format to have graveyard decks in it would be a bigger loss than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I definitely get that. And also I think that it's just, it's kind of like the brainstorm of Modern, uh, where, you know, it's just a card that allows you to fix your hands and play mm-hmm. games of magic when otherwise that might be happening less often. Yeah. Um, there's there's something that Zan says a lot when we're testing when when we're playing a Faithless Looting deck and our hand and we're like clunking out and we're like drawing a bunch of lands or whatever mm-hmm. or drawing a bunch of things that are bad. Zan always says, it's fine. You're just a one Faithless Looting away. Yeah. And and, it, and it, he's right. It always feels like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I often think about that in Legacy. I'm like, just a brainstorm I'm clunking away. out right now, but I'm just a brainstorm away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'll just spend a mana to turn this hand from like a four into like an eight, and yeah. we're good. Yeah, just brainstorm away, just a faithless looting away. Yeah, um, faithless looting, you know, in modern even more so because you can do it twice. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's really fix up this hand. This is a mess. <laughs> it's just, just this trade is a mess. four of these <laughs> cards in. Yeah. Hopefully, and it's probably a mess because two of the cards in your hand are like cards that are supposed to be in the graveyard. So right. Yeah. Phoenixes. Okay. You're in the bin now. <laughs> Problem solved. I'd rather spend zero mana for this than four mana. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Venge vines and and bridges. All right. Get out of here. Come on. What are you doing in my hand? Yep. Yeah. Faithless looting is extremely good but i'm biased by the fact that like i mostly play faithless looting decks when i can yeah but i i do think that the ability to have graveyard decks yeah in the format is a big part of like what makes people able to do the things they want to do in modern right you know we're not going to ban faithless looting we're not going to ban mox opal because we can't just be thought seizing each other all day long yeah like we've got to do other things any more modern stuff we want to talk about I think that covers it for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Hogak is everywhere, but it can be beaten. Yeah. I mean, it's contrary definitely... The... To, contrary to popular belief, if you, I think that there are definitely things that you can do to beat Hogak. It takes a lot, but you can do it. <laughs> right. And and the things that it takes to beat Hogak are things that are busy making the format unhealthy. Right. Like, yes, the deck is beatable, but its presence in the format is making the format worse. Yeah. Um, what that probably indicates about the metagame protection for this weekend is that I think that Hogak is definitely going to be pretty heavily represented. Mm-hmm. But my, whereas my prediction last week was like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, 20% of day one, 30% of day two, and then 50% of the top eight. Mm-hmm. I think I think that the top eight is going to be more diverse than that, just because everybody's going to be hyper prepared for this deck. Yep. I, I mean, Hogak's going to have a good weekend, I, I, I would assume. Um, I think so. But, you know, but it's not it's not going to be like 60%. Right. Or, well, or and I wonder, like you know, I think there may be several different decks, but I wonder how much of the composition of those decks is going to be these black disruption-based decks that have the really heavy graveyard hate package of like surgical style spell bombs and ley lines of the void. Is it just going to be like a lot of decks built with that like nine card package into it and are we really p- playing what's ultimately like kind of a a rock scissors meta game with this this package versus hogak sort of thing yeah maybe i don't know that'll be a, that'll be a tough call i think that there will be a lot of phoenix yep i think that there will be a lot of 
black midrange decks. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a ton, but it'll be represented. It seems to be a thing that's been figured out, at least at the level... Like, all the grinders are very aware of this concept, that the black disruption is good in this matchup and, yeah. and well-positioned in the format. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, and then there will be... The rest of the format will be full of modern decks that people enjoy playing. As is modern. It's still an open. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I think, like... But this time it'll be modern decks that people enjoy playing plus three or six or nine graveyard hate slots. Yeah, and you better be leaning... <laughs> Closer to nine, depending <laughs> yeah. on what your deck is. Right. If you're in fact, you can skip a little, skip a little. I think yeah. I think your your best bet against Hogak with infect is kill them. Proactive. Just don't worry yeah. about the things they're doing. Their creatures can't block. Yeah. Like, just get them. No, for sure. Yeah, and you can do that a lot more consistently now in turn two. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all of the, the, you know, you used to be like marginally afraid of a turn one Glistener Elf mm-hmm. because like. Ugh, if, if, they he, got the if he has the growth. mutagenic growth, then I guess I'm dead kind of deal. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, if if I'm not interacting with this right now in some form, it's going to be really die. bad for me. Yeah. yeah. I have seen some, uh, like, green-white-based Infect decks that have Giver yeah. of Runes in it mm-hmm. as, you know, obviously powerful protection for your singular threat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I did see a green-white list. It looked interesting. Um, I've seen some bant lists. You do have to well. run like Acre Claw Mirror if you're not running blue in your Infect deck. That's... True. Yeah. I if you're playing Infect, I hi I've tried to play non-blue Infect lists. I Flated mean, I was a, is just so I was good. a pretty big proponent of you know green black Infect mm-hmm. when that was a thing. Yeah. Um, it won me an IQ. It was great. Yep. Yeah. You just gotta play blue. You just gotta play blue. Because, you know, and if you want to splash white, you get this guy. Yeah. This guy's great. He's great. Hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I've um, done the hero thing before. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I said that a bunch of times with Lee, and I'm pretty sure I just got it wrong. So. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Play Infect. Screw it. I'm not um, going to play Infect. Yeah. Yeah. One of our teammates might. Yeah. This yeah. is possible. I do not, don't have the experience with Infect. I don't have the bravery to That's do fair. it. So. Yeah. It does take a bit of bravery yeah. to play, in fact. Yeah, because sometimes you just got to jam. I guess less so if you got this dude. <laughs> yeah, he'll be brave for you. I yeah. wonder, clearly too clunky and slow, but man, Ranger Captain Avios is like almost there for Infect. Gets you a Glistener Elf, stops their spells for a turn. You know what? I didn't consider that. But it's pretty mana intensive for a deck that yeah. wants to have like two lands and an Ink Moth Nexus in play and attack with the Ink Moth Nexus every turn. So yeah. Well, do we want to spend like two minutes going over M twenty? M twenty is out. The whole set <laughs> full, is spoiled. Full spoilers out. I don't even know all the cards in Modern Horizons <laughs> yet. That set's not even been out for two weeks. Yeah, it it does feel like it's going very fast. This is terrifying. Yeah. It, and uh, I think Jim Davis said this on a stream the other day. It's just like it's just a, it's new card overload. I can't handle it. It's all. just it's too much. Too, yeah, it's, it's too much. At least slow down. <laughs> at least there's a bunch of reprints in M20, so yeah. that's helpful. Yeah, but it's still like a lot of them are new to standard. Yeah, some of them are even new to modern. We got Goblin Ringleader in M20. Goblin, yeah. Ringleaders are awesome. Yeah, I don't know. If, you know, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of casting Goblin Ringleader, I, but it feels nice. I have a pile of Apocalypse Ringleaders. Get in some my tar fires right in now. there. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Goblin Ringleader, three and a red, two two haste. When it enters the battlefield, 
reveal the top four cards of your library, put all goblin cards revealed this way into your hand, and then the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Um, so powerful staple in like legacy goblins decks as a refill mechanism in your like either vile mana denial deck. Yeah. It is difficult for me to see this working out in modern given the tools that goblins have. I would love to run some goblin ringleaders, but without having basically wasteland and Richard import to support the like putting free goblins into play uh i'm not sure what you're doing to make this like a powerful effect yeah so a little sad but who knows maybe there's some like skirk prospector fecundity goblin ringleader combo deck that exists and that would be kind of neat yeah for sure but as far as like goblins deck goes uh, this doesn't quite get us there yet, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have uh, Rotting Regisaur. And we will, next episode, for those of you still in the chat right now, hopefully next episode we will have live card previews for when we're talking about cards. True. I just don't want to blue screen my laptop right now without like having practiced <laughs> putting this stuff up. So Again. Because <laughs> we're, we're, so, we're so far in. We've got all this recorded. I don't want to lose this episode. Yeah. But Rotting Regisaur... Two and a black, seven, six, zombie dinosaur. At the beginning of your upkeep, discard a card. And it doesn't have, like, a sacrifice clause on it. So yep. if your hand is empty, this is just a seven, six. Yep. The question is, how good is a vanilla seven, six? For three mana? For three mana. I mean, you know, sometimes we get cards that just, like, really push the envelope on what a vanilla creature yeah. at a particular mana cost can do. Yeah. Um... I, the furthest it's be it's been pushed for three mana, I'm pretty sure, has just been, in like in a standard context, mm-hmm. has been the five the five four. Yeah, Steel Leaf, um, yeah. Steel Leaf Champion. Yeah, and the five four, we know that that card is like, it's you know pretty good, and it requires like a beatdown mm-hmm. strategy to be revolving around it or whatever. But and it really required Lanor Elves to. Oh you know, yeah, the turn two Steel Leaf Champion is so much scarier than the turn three Steel Leaf Champion. That's fair. And with the dinosaur. You know, it still has Llanowar Elves, but the earlier you get it out, the more cards you're going to end up discarding to it. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't matter because your opponent is just dead. I don't know. Like, I've seen people, like, dismiss this card or at least respond because it did get hyped up because it is gigantic. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a little bit of maybe an overcorrection from some people. Like, you know, it's just a big vanilla guy. It's card disadvantage. and But it's so big. <laughs> And if nothing, I like how every conversation about this card just ends with this. leads back to at some point, but it's so big. But like seven power as opposed to six is huge. Yeah. That's three attacks. Yeah, not no, two. Yeah, or, or and not four. I mean, like right. And and I mean maybe not that big of a difference in a Shockland world or whatever. But sure. like like your goldfishing really this card on its own kills your opponent on turn six. Right. And that's pretty insane for one three mana card. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think if nothing else, it's probably a juke card for like graveyard strategies. Like mm-hmm. if this were legal right now, I'd want to see if I could fit it into the Hogak side. Probably play in Hogak. Yeah, yeah. It's like discard a bunch of cards that we don't care about post board. Yeah. But I, how about this nice, six? nice like Nile Spellbomb Leyline hand? Right. Have a dinosaur. Right. Got him. Yeah. Maybe Cryptbreaker just is better at that, but. Yeah, this is worth trying. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting. I'm not. I. It's just a card that I have no, no, like for sure. valid predictions for. Um, 
like it you know it could see play in standard maybe not yeah it might just not see any yeah it might just not see any play ever so one thing that bums me out about this set is it's doing the kind of crappy corset thing where they bring in synergies for the set that's going to rotate out like three months after this corset comes in so the thing that like really exemplified this for me was starfield of nyx like here now you can build that enchantment deck with their oh right yeah yeah. but only for three months (laughs) and then you played it for three months and then none of the cards worked anymore and now we've got dinosaurs yeah and now the the set has all these dinosaurs including this super cool design marauding raptor one in a red two three dinosaur creature spells you cast cost one less to cast Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Marauding Raptor deals 2 damage to it. If a dinosaur is dealt damage this way, Marauding Raptor gets plus 2 plus 0 until end of turn. Yeah. So, clearly designed for use with enraged creatures, like, curving this turn 2 into turn 3 Ripjaw Raptor, draw a card, attack for 4, that's really, really good. Yep. This is an enabler for the dinosaur theme deck that never came together in Ixalan and might never come together. Yeah. But if it does come together here, it comes together for like three months and then we don't get to play it anymore. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, that's definitely a bummer. We <laughs> we want to be able to play with these cool toys for, for longer, but... I do. I am excited about this card, just kind of in a vacuum. Yeah, I, that like um, creature spells you cast cost one less on an actual beater card. Yeah, the card's really strong. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that it's like it's just it would be phenomenal in Gruel right now. I mean, just think about how well that card just slots in on its own. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and and I've seen a lot of people talking about building with it. I think the idea that all of your creatures have to survive it is not true. I think you can still put Llanowar Elves in this deck for yeah. just redundancy purposes, and that's totally fine. Is it a May? Or no, it, no, no, no. It just deals right. two damage to every right. creature you play? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If it were not a May, the card would just be very bonkers, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just a 2-3 two, a two that just makes your creatures cost one less would already be insane. Right. And this guy also just beats for four most turns if you're just a very creature heavy deck yeah it has to deal damage to a dinosaur in order for it to get bigger is that yeah is that true yeah that's 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 the text of the card okay uh if a dinosaur is dealt damage it gets plus two plus so cool but you really you really want to load your deck up for rip jaw raptors oh yeah i mean and there are a lot of good dinosaurs that love to get damaged i mean um so that's all great are there isn't it mostly rip jaw raptor it is mostly rip jaw raptor for sure. Um, but, I mean, there's also Polyraptor. Yeah, so you just draw the game. <laughs> Turn <Yeah>. seven. <laughs> draw the game. <laughs> is there no way of breaking that loop? Uh, Not in standard, because Thud is a sorcery. There's, Wait, so it just draws every time? You can't go infinite? Right, it just draws. You. I mean, you have to have a way to sacrifice a creature. Okay. If you can sacrifice a creature at instant speed, you can stop the ability from dealing damage okay. to the last Polyraptor. I also... I don't know what we have that allows us to do that that's on a playable card. If there is any, if there's any, like, creature ETB triggered abilities... Right. You could turn it, you can convert that into a win somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't a think draw that... draw is greater than a loss. <laughs> it's true. I think you just crash arena though when you do it, so I can't imagine that this works out particularly well. For oh you. no! Yeah, I, that's arena the worst. is gonna be. That's the worst part of it for yeah. me for sure. I hope that they come up with some sort of workaround for that in arena because I would, 
That sounds awful. Just like a million are we, you sure right. like, boxes come up when you're about to cast the polyraptor. <laughs> are you, yeah, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, um, Tucker mentions makeshift munitions is a way to sacrifice at instant speed. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's there's a couple of ways to sacrifice a creature that could work. But I don't think that building a deck around a polyraptor combo that costs this uh, much mana is... Just killing everybody's dreams. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but... It does give you that back door of like, oh, I'm behind in this game. I guess we better just like, you know, wipe this one out, start over, right. call this one a draw, and give me another yeah. shot at it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this this little dinosaur is pretty cool. Yeah, I really like, I like the design. Um, and we will. I'm I'm looking forward to beating for four with it. This yeah. is pretty cool. I don't want to talk about too many more of these M20 cards. Ley lines are back. I'm sure. So pick up your. Wait until like Leyline of the Void gets down to like twelve ish or something like that, and then pick up just as many as you can, and then it'll go right back up to thirty in a year or so, and then you'll make money. That's just how it works. Yeah, we're a finance podcast now. I mean, that one is easy. <laughs> that one yeah. is really easy. Yeah. Um. No, for sure. But yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we can definitely talk about all those later. Yeah. Also, Graph Digger's Cage is cool because it shuts down any number of experimental frenzies. So ah, that's nice. That is nice. Um, but yeah, M20 is happening. Uh, let's do a real quick question. Um, so rather than a Patreon question of the week, which we will go back to. We could do chat questions. We could do chat questions. If anybody in chat has a really sweet question, we'll hit answer us it. with it. Yeah. Uh, and now we stare. No. And now we <laughs> Yeah. Did we did I we mean, pick out a Patreon question? I did pick out a question from Twitter just because part oh. of that tweet was asking people to ask us what they'd like to well, let's answer here on the show. Um, so and and I got this one because uh, it was tweeted at us from Chris Vincent, who I met when I was in Europe. Um, he's a UK based Magic player. He writes for uh, Masters of Magic, I believe. Um, and he says, well done on the 100 episodes. I would like to hear your thoughts on what made you both get into creating content, the podcast, uh, what you each enjoy most about it, and the impact it has had on you as MTG players. So I thought this was a fitting question for our 100th episode. Just a chance to reflect back on like why we started doing this and what it means to us and how we've kind of grown around it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has made me... I think just like think a lot more critically about just the game in general because mm-hmm. you know uh, every time we record I'm like all right I have to make sure that I'm caught up on what's going on and you... and making sure that I can keep up and everything. It's never enough to say something is good or something is not good. Like right. that's not content. Yeah, so. we, yeah, we want to give our like you know interesting thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> so it definitely has done that. What about you, Chris? I'm feeling a little self conscious because. <laughs> my friend Anderson has just asked, do you think that second button on your shirt is in an optimal position? The position of the second button really makes or breaks the shirt. I'm a little confused about what's going on here. <laughs> I was afraid that I just had a button in the wrong place or something. But Chris, as always, you look great. Fantastic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I have mentioned before how big of a deal doing this podcast when I was in Europe was. Yeah. I don't know if I would still be playing Magic right now if we hadn't done the podcast. Like, I did play a lot of Magic when I was in Europe, but part of it was, like, I wanted to stay updated and be able to talk about it intelligently on the podcast. And this has let me really stay a part of the Magic community. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be living in this house with 
you know, several Magic players right. who yep. I respect <laughs> and like hanging out with and like testing with and like getting their opinions on stuff. That certainly would not have happened. It's a good combination. It's great. Yeah, this house is busted. It's, yeah, it's really great. <laughs> as far as, like, personal development has gone, I definitely uh, agree. Like, every time I am seeing interactions in games, every time I'm seeing changes to deck lists that develop over time, I'm thinking about them because I want to come up with ants like I, I, I start asking questions like how did this happen why did this happen what's the deal behind this because I really want to talk about it on the podcast and I want to break it apart and that forces me to think about it in ways that are much deeper than like oh yeah this card is powerful so here's a home for it it's like okay Hogak is doing this to the format this yeah. is why this black interaction is really good yeah. and certainly don't always get it right i don't even know if i'm getting it right 50 percent of the time yeah, but that doesn't matter <laughs> you know where it, it's definitely forced me to engage very very critically in like the study of the game and i really it makes it really fun yeah to to go and try to build decks and figure out what's going on in formats definitely so yeah yeah, and I also think that it's given me a lot more confidence in, like, speaking about the game. Yeah, where, because like, you do it so much. Well, I, yeah, I do it all the time. I'm yeah. talking to my roommates about the game. I'm talking on the podcast podcast about the game. Whatever it is. Yeah, as soon as I start talking about me talking good, and I completely lose it all, but that's just how it goes. It's fine. Of course. And just also kind of, like, being in the limelight a lot, I think, is also, you know, it's it helps. It's kind of nice to be recognized every once in a while. Yeah, it's it feels good. Silly, but yeah, you know, people. It, it's kind of whenever nice. somebody comes up to me at a tournament and it's like, "Hey, I really enjoy the grindcast." It just makes my day, and it happens a lot now, <laughs> and that feels good as well. <laughs> um, so shout out to everybody who's ever done that. You're awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, it, it is really cool. It's yeah. it's unreal cool. Yeah, even if it's just like a very brief, like a you know, we're walking past each other kind of thing. It's still it still feels good. Yeah. So yep and hopefully now that we are getting merch out to patrons which you know isn't going to happen quite as quickly as would be ideal because some of this stuff still needs to be designed and it all needs to get shipped out and start but hopefully as we get merch out to people we'll start to notice it popping up every here you know every once in a while and that that would be really cool so if if you get merch from us please wear it or take it to tournaments because if i see you with it it's what, gonna what else would be a better opportunity than to wear it at a tournament That's it would just... just make my day to see <laughs> that, so yeah. yeah great cool awesome well i think we just about i think that's a solid episode 100 excellent we did it live yeah we did it yeah. live a lot of kinks it's okay honestly after that one crash you know, yeah, mostly it worked well. out all right. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Except for whatever's going on with the button on my shirt. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> <sighs> You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, be gentle with Chris. <laughs> I'm just very tender. <laughs> I didn't get much sleep. I got oh. in at like two, one in the morning last yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was me? I just got home from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to get up for work. I have to get up really uh-huh. early. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. It was a good vacation, though. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear it. For sure. Um, yeah, so to everybody who came and hung out live yeah. in Twitch. Yeah, what thanks are we at? Right. so okay. much for hanging out. Um, this has been awesome. Yeah, this was really yeah. cool. Thank you for chatting with us. Thank, Thanks for being here live. That That is really cool. And yeah. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, everybody at home listening on your phones or whatever also 
obviously really really appreciate you guys uh yeah. and girls it is really neat that you want to listen to us talk about magic yeah so thank you so much yeah we appreciate you all if you want to find us you can find us on twitter the podcast's you know main account is at mtg underscore grindcast i am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast collins is also on twitter at collins mullen um, we've got our website, mtggrindcast.com, where you can find links to our Patreon, links to Collins' coaching services. If you want to go straight to the Patreon, that's patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. And I will be going ahead and updating all the tiers and stuff on Patreon. I haven't quite done that yet, but it'll be really clear what each of the tiers gets. Everybody gets some physical stuff, and I'm really, really excited to send these things out. Yep. So. Also, Chris is about to open up his DMs on the MTG Grindcast account. Yep. So, so shoot us shoot us a DM at, at MTG underscore Grindcast. Let me know what your first real competitive deck was. And I honestly am just kind of interested in seeing that. And then yeah. somebody who DMs us that will be sending you a Modern Horizons booster box. Just because we like you guys. Yep. We, we like all of you. It'll be great. Thanks everybody so much for listening. Have a great week. Peace.